so good to see everybody this morning. Appreciate everybody being here and appreciate the time we've been able to spend in worship together. This on, can you hear me? You can't hear me. Okay. Let me scoot behind this one. Is this a little bit better? Can you hear me now? There we go. Which one are we? Okay, let's go off this one here. It's good to be together. If, if you didn't hear me say that just a few minutes ago, appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship. If you have your Bibles and you're not there from our scripture reading, then let's go over to 2 Kings chapter 18. You'll join me there, 2 Kings chapter 18. And together we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. 2 Kings chapter 18. Looking at verses 1 through 8. I'm really excited to share that this morning we're beginning a sermon series on King Hezekiah. Throughout the entire month of September, every Sunday morning this month, we're going to be considering the life of King Hezekiah. We're going to be thinking about what we can learn from his life. How if we can follow in the footsteps of Hezekiah, I think it will better help us to reflect the nature of our God the character of our Lord Jesus, if we can walk in the footsteps of Hezekiah in many ways, I think it will help us to become more like our Lord Jesus. But before we get too far into this study of King Hezekiah, I think we need to start by asking this question, who was Hezekiah? Well, if you look at the text that's sitting in front of us, if you look at the text that was read for us just a few minutes ago, we're introduced to him. We find out a little bit about him in the first three verses of 2 Kings chapter 18. In verse 1, we find that he was the 13th king of the nation of Judah. If you remember the history of this, at one time, for a long time, the nation of Israel was a united kingdom. They were a united nation consisting of 12 tribes. It was that way as they went to settle in the land, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. It was that way during the time of the judges. It was that way during the reign of King Saul, Israel's first king. And throughout the reign of David and also his son Solomon. But then in about 930 B.C., the kingdom of Israel split into two different kingdoms. You first had the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, consisting of ten tribes with its capital city of Samaria. And then you have the southern kingdom kingdom of Judah, consisting of the last two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, with its capital city in Jerusalem. About 315 years after that initial split, following the death of King Hezekiah's father, King Ahaz, he became the 13th king of the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. He reigned in the city of Jerusalem. And then you continue into verse 2. Into verse two. We find that King Hezekiah reigned over the nation of Judah for about 29 years. He began to reign according to Scripture whenever he was 25 years old. And from that point forward in his life, he reigned for more time as a king than he did. He was 25 years old whenever he came to the throne in 715 B.C. And Scripture tells us he reigned for 29 years in the capital city of Jerusalem until about 687 B.C. I think those facts, those ideas about King Hezekiah are certainly important. 
They help us to understand who Hezekiah is. They give us some background. They give us some context. But I think the most important fact that we find about Hezekiah in this section of Scripture is what comes in verse 3. That Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. What's so important about Hezekiah is not that he was a king. What's so important about Hezekiah is not that he reigned for 29 years in the city of Jerusalem. What's so significant, what's so important about Hezekiah, the reason that we're going to be studying him throughout the entire month of September is because of what kind of person he was. He was an individual who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. We mentioned he's the 13th king of the nation of Judah, which meant there were 12 kings who reigned before him. Starting with Rehoboam, the, king, the son of Solomon, six of those twelve kings who reigned before him were described as being wicked. They were described as doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, starting with Rehoboam, going down to Abijam, Jehoram, Ahaziah, Queen Athaliah, King Ahaz, his own father, in 2 Kings chapter 16, were all kings who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They reigned in a very wicked way. They were very wicked people. Notice that Hezekiah wasn't like them. Hezekiah wasn't the kind of person that they were. He didn't reign in the way that they did. He wasn't the kind of king that they were. Well, if Hezekiah wasn't like these six evil kings who came before him, who was he like? Well, look again at chapter 18 and verse 3. We find that Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And whose footsteps did he follow? According to all that David his father had done. That's a comment that should catch our attention. Even though David wasn't perfect, David is described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. Even though David wasn't perfect, and we know that he committed several different mistakes, really big mistakes, God always pointed back to him as the pattern for how a king should reign, how a king should be, and especially how a king should respond to the king, the one true God, of Israel. Hezekiah wasn't like the six evil kings who reigned before him. Hezekiah wasn't like those kings. He was like the king. He did according to all that David his father had done. Hezekiah was like the one who lived after God's own heart. To put it simply, Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Is that something that can be said about you? Are you an individual? Are you a person who does what is right in the eyes of the Lord? We're never going to be who Hezekiah was. And we're never going to do what Hezekiah did. None of us are ever going to reign over the nation of Judah for 29 years in the city of Jerusalem as king or queen. However... What we can do is be the kind of person Hezekiah was. We may never be who he was. We may never do what he did. But as Christians, every day that we live, we have not only the opportunity, but the responsibility 
to imitate His character. To do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. But what does that look like? If that's the opportunity that we have, if that's the responsibility that we're supposed to be fulfilling, to do what is right in God's sight, how can we do that? How can we do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? I read a story last week about President Calvin Coolidge. He invited some people from his hometown to eat with him, to eat dinner with him in the White House while he was serving as president. Of course, the people from his hometown accepted that invitation, although they were a little nervous about it. Sitting down with the president, they didn't know how to act. They didn't know what to do throughout that meal. So, so what they decided before they went is that the best plan of action, just do what the president does. When you're sitting at the table with the president, imitate him and you can't go wrong. So the time for the dinner came. They were all inside the White House eating supper together. The first thing that the White House staff brought out was some coffee. President Coolidge asked for some. So did everybody else at the table. They gave each person a little cup of coffee on top of a saucer. Then President Coolidge asked for some milk and sugar. They brought it out to him and he put a little bit of it into his cup of coffee. So did everybody else at the table. They imitated the president. They even tried to get the exact amount of milk and sugar that the president put into their cup. The people thought, the people from his hometown thought, surely the next thing the president is going to do is take the cup and put it up to his mouth. So, so, so President Coolidge picked up the cup, so did everybody else. But then he did something a little bit unexpected. He took the cup and put it down on the ground and called for the cat. Well, that's where they drew the line. They thought that might be too much coffee, too much caffeine for the cat. But when we look at Hezekiah, he's significant because he was an individual who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. How can we be described that way? How can we be that kind of people? How can we do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? Well, let's be like the people who visited the White House. The best plan of action if we're going to be the kind of person that Hezekiah was, then we need to do what he did. And thankfully, in the text that was just read for us, the text in front of us, 2 Kings chapter 18, the writer not only tells us that Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but he also tells us how Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. If we're going to be the kind of person that he was, then we need to do what he did. Number one. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then we need to remove our idols. Immediately after Hezekiah is described as doing right in God's sight and doing according to all that father, his father David had done, notice verse 4 says that he removed the high places. He broke the pillars and he cut down the Asherah. The high places were locations throughout Judah. Locations on top of mountains or hills where the people would go to worship false gods, where the people would go to worship idols. They thought the higher in elevation they could get to those false gods, the closer they would be to them. So they would go up on top of these high places, on top of mountains or hills, where they would build pillars, the text talks about, altars, where they would make sacrifices and make offerings to these false gods, like the Asherah mentioned in verse 4. 
reading throughout the Old Testament, even going back to the Ten Commandments, the Israelites were supposed to worship God and God alone. What did God tell them? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not serve them. You shall not worship them. And then we continue reading throughout the story. The Israelites were supposed to worship the Lord in the place where He had chose to make His name dwell. The, the Israelites were supposed to worship God in the city of Jerusalem, specifically the temple that had been built by King Solomon hundreds of years earlier. Instead of worshiping God at the temple, the people of Judah were worshiping idols at the high places. So what did Hezekiah do? He removed it. He cut down the Asherah. He broke the columns into pieces. We mentioned that Hezekiah was the 13th king over Judah. And that six of the kings who came before him were evil. That means that the other six kings were good. The other six kings who came before Hezekiah were described like him as doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. What's interesting to me, though, is that the six kings who reigned before him did not remove these high places. They didn't get rid of the idols that had been in place since the time that King Solomon reigned when his heart was turned away from following God, King Asa. King Jehoshaphat, Jehoash, Amaziah, Uzziah, Jotham, all described as being good kings. Yet they didn't remove the high places. Hezekiah did. In doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, he removed the idols that were present in that nation. But notice it's not just about the high places. When you look in verse 4, it mentions the bronze serpent that Moses had made. It goes all the way back to Numbers chapter 21. When the Israelites were disobedient to God. And so God sent a multitude of serpents into the camp. And it bit a lot of them. They were about to die from those snake bites. But then Moses made the bronze serpent. He raised it up on a pole. And God said, if anyone looks at that bronze serpent, then they'll be healed of the snake bite. They'll be saved from death. It was an ancient artifact from Israel's history. It was something that was formed by Moses, the lawgiver. The problem is the people were bowing down and worshiping it. The people were making offerings to it. So once again, what did Hezekiah do? Notice he didn't take it and put it in a black back closet somewhere. He didn't say, well, this is, a, this is something that's really important to our heritage. This is an, an ancient Thing from, from our history. This was something that was formed by the very hands of Moses. I'm going to stop him from worshiping it, but I'm going to hold on to it. That's not what Hezekiah did. The text says that he broke it into pieces. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then we have to remove our idols. Well, reading this text, that's a pretty easy thing, isn't it? We're not doing what the people of Judah did. We're not going up to the high places and falling down at the pillars and making offerings to all of these false gods. We're not offering sacrifices and offerings to something made out of bronze. We're not worshiping all of those idols. So let's put a check mark next to that, right? We're doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. It's not that we've removed these idols. We didn't even go to these idols in the first place. We'll take a few steps back. What is an idol? 
By definition, an idol is anything that we choose to put before God. An idol is anything that we choose to prioritize over Him. When we talk about idols, we're not just talking about images and altars and columns and high places. We're talking about anything we choose to prioritize over God. You know, something doesn't necessarily have to be sinful in order to be an idol. Let me give you a few examples. Parents, maybe you need to be careful because it might be really easy for your child to become your idol. Grandparents, it's easy for your grandchildren to become your idol. It's easy for a relationship to become your idol. A relationship with a spouse, a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a relationship with just a friend, it's easy to put that relationship over our relationships with God. It's really easy for work to become an idol. It's really easy for money to become an idol. What does Paul say about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6? The love of money is what? The root of all evil. It's really easy for sports, hobbies, activities, pleasure, leisure to become an idol in our lives. So what is it for you? What is the idol in your life? What is it that you're choosing to place above God? If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, it's time to get rid of it. It's time to remove it. It's time to tear it down. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, it's time for us to reorder our priorities. It's like what Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Jesus says if anything gets in the way of your relationship with God, if anything gets in the way of you being the person that God wants you to be, it's time to get it out. It's time to throw it away. He says even if it's your own right eye, what's the reason? Jesus says it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, we need to heed the closing command of 1 John. 1 John 5 and verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Number one, if we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, we have to remove our idols. Number two, if we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then we have to trust in the Lord. If you look at verse 5, there's something that makes Hezekiah unique. There's something that sets him apart from every other king. There's something that makes Hezekiah different than the kings that came before him and the kings that came after him. What is it in verse 5? Look at the first part of the verse. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Hezekiah, in doing what's right in God's sight, trusted in God. Now let's not be deceived. Hezekiah didn't always do this perfectly. For instance, if you read just a few verses down to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 and 21, you find Hezekiah trusting in others instead of trusting in himself. When he was attacked by the nation of Assyria, he trusted in Egypt, Egypt's army to come and help him to fight against the Assyrians, we find how God felt about that in Isaiah 31 and verse 1. Woe to those 
who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they're many and in horsemen because they're very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Hezekiah knew what it was like to trust in others instead of trusting in God. To trust in Egypt, Egypt's horses and chariots, horsemen, their number, how strong they were. And God rebukes him for that. Hezekiah also knew what it was like to trust in himself instead of trusting in the Lord. If you go to 2 Chronicles 32, verses 24 and 25, the Bible says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he answered him and gave him a sign. But notice how Hezekiah responded to that. Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him. Why? For his heart was proud. Therefore, wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but Hezekiah came down with an illness where he was going to die. God told him he was going to die. Hezekiah asked for more time. God gave him more time. Hezekiah, in receiving that healing from God, didn't make return to God. Instead, his heart became proud. In other words, he started to trust in himself. If you read throughout the rest of 2 Chronicles 32, the Bible talks about his riches, all of the things that he had. That's what he put his trust in. His heart became proud and he began to trust in himself, in his own strength and power, in the riches that he had as the king over Judah instead of trusting in the Lord. Hezekiah didn't always get it right. He didn't always do this perfectly. He knew what it was like to mess up. He knew what it was like to trust in others. He knew what it was like to trust in himself instead of trusting in God. And maybe that's what makes him so unique. Maybe that's what sets him apart from every other king that reigned before him and every other king that reigned after him. He learned a lesson or two from the school of hard knocks. From his own experiences and choices and decisions, Hezekiah learned that the best place, in fact, the only place for him to place his trust was in the Lord. Not in others, not in Egypt, not in himself, but in the Lord. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then we have to trust in the Lord. Just think about your life. Where's your trust? Where do you place your trust on a daily basis? Looking at Hezekiah's life, it seems like we have three options. Option number one, we can place our trust in others and in what they have to offer us. Option number two, we can place our trust in ourselves and our own riches and power and strength. Or option number three, we can place our trust in the Lord. Each and every one of us, when we look at that list, when we look at those three options, we know the right decision. We know that we should wholeheartedly place our trust in the Lord. The problem is, that's not always the decision that we make. Especially when we go through difficulties, when we find ourselves in challenging times. It's so easy to put our trust in other people and to rely on them, things that they can do for us. It's so easy to start to place our trust in ourselves, what we have, our riches, our strength, our power. I'm going to put down my shoulder and push my way through the difficulties that I'm dealing with. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, we have to learn from Hezekiah's mistakes. 
Hezekiah tried it. He tried trusting in others. He tried trusting in himself. And it didn't work. So let's learn from that. And let's place our trust in the Lord. As Solomon says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. If we're going to do what's right, in the sight of the Lord, then we have to trust in the Lord. And then finally, number three, if we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then we have to hold on to the Lord. That's what Hezekiah did in verse 6. The Bible says that he held fast to the Lord. I've seen a lot of videos recently on the internet of people on roller coasters. It gives you the point of view of what it's like to be on the roller coaster. You know the first thought that comes into my mind when I see a video like that? Maybe you're supposed to think, wow, that's, that's really neat. That looks like fun. I'd like to be on that roller coaster with that person right now. Or maybe it makes you think, there's no way I'm doing that. I'd have to be crazy to get on that thing. You know what my first thought is? That person better hold on to his phone. When you're going up the hill and down the hill and you're going fast and you're doing a corkscrew and you're going upside down, you better hold on tight to that phone or you're going to lose it. You're not going to get it back. That's what Hezekiah did with the Lord. He held fast to the Lord. He didn't let go of the Lord. He didn't loosen his grip on the Lord despite all that he went through. In his 29 years as king, what did it look like for him to hold on to the Lord? Two things in verse 6. First, he didn't depart from following him. In holding on to the Lord, he followed the Lord. Wherever the Lord led, that's where Hezekiah went. Hezekiah was the king, yes. But he recognized there was a king above him. There was a king greater than him. And that's who he decided to follow. Number two, in holding fast to the Lord, he was obedient to the Lord. He kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. All 613. He did what God told him to do. And he stayed away from what God told him not to do. If we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, if we're going to be like Hezekiah, then we have to hold on to the Lord. As we go throughout life, there's a lot of different things that we try to hold on to. And maybe sometimes we forget that our hands are only so big. We can only hold on to so much that if I'm going to hold on to this, it requires me to let go of something else. Especially when you're dealing with pain in life, it's easy to start to let the Lord slip through your fingers. Or when life is going well and you feel really confident, it's tempting to say, I don't need the Lord and to start to loosen your grip on Him. If we're going to do what's right in His eyes, we have to hold on to Him. We can't let go of Him. We can't even loosen our grip on the commitment that we've made to Him. The confession that we've made. The book of Hebrews talks a lot about that. What do you need to let go of in order to really hold on to the Lord? 
What do you need to sit down in order to really take hold of God? Because it's going to be impossible for us to hold on to God if our hands are full of something else. It's going to be impossible to hold on to God if we have hold of Him with one hand and then holding on to something else with the other hand. What do we need to let go of this morning so that we can hold on to Him and so that we can do what is right in His eyes? If we're going to hold on to Him, we have to follow Him. Wherever He leads, I'll follow. I'll follow all the way as we oftentimes sing. If we're going to hold on to Him, we have to be obedient to Him. You can't hold on to the Lord if you're not going to be obedient to the Lord. Number three, if we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then we have to hold on to Him. I hope you're as excited about this study as I am. Thinking about the life of King Hezekiah, an individual who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, can that be said about you? Well, I'm not sure. How can I get there? How can I do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? Here's three powerful ideas. We have to remove our idols. We have to trust in the Lord. We have to hold on to the Lord. But then when you look at verses 7 and 8, we also see this idea that it's not all about us. That if we're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, it's not all on our shoulders. It wasn't all on Hezekiah's shoulders. If you look in verse 7, as Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord was with him. And wherever he went out, he prospered. You see two, a few examples of that in verse 7 and verse 8 in the military successes that he had. It wasn't all about Hezekiah. Yes, Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He trusted in God. He held on to God. He removed anything that came before God. But it wasn't all about Hezekiah. It was about the God who promised to be with Hezekiah. Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of God. God was with him. And because God was with him, he prospered. That doesn't mean he didn't ever go through anything difficult. Because he did. We're going to see that next week. But overall, Hezekiah prospered in life because as he did what was right, the Lord was with him. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Why? Because the Father up above is looking down in love. God is watching. So do what is right in His sight. Trust in Him. Hold on to Him. Remove anything that you're being tempted to place above Him. Reorder your priorities. And realize it's not all about you. As you do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, God will be with you. And when God is with you, you're going to prosper. Not that your bank account will always be full. Not that you'll never deal with anything difficult. But when we do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, God promises to go with us. And when God goes with us, we will prosper in all of the ways that truly matter. Is that your story right now? Is that where you are in life right now? If it's not... God is watching. Do what's right. As together we stand and sing.